I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host, and my guest this week nicknames himself Quantified Bob. He's a tech entrepreneur. He's a biohacker. He's a self-quantification geek. More on that in a second. He's appeared on CBS, on National Geographic, in Men's Fitness, and he's spoken at many different health, fitness, and biohacking conferences across the globe. It started in 2012, I believe, when he started his blog, which was documenting his own self-experimentation. And now that is read by hundreds of thousands of people across the world. And he writes about the body, environment, mind, lifestyle, technology and tools, data, which I think is is your main kind of thing, you know, getting data on this stuff. His name is Quantified Bob. I will put a link to his social media channels in the show notes, and I'll give those out at the end as well. But Bob, welcome to the show. Hi, Leanne. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And also, my real name, my real name is Bob Troy, in case anyone um, <laughs> yes. wants to know my real name. So the, that's just a moniker, the, the quantified Bob. Yeah, yeah, great. Let's start here. Then. What is self-quantification? So self-quantification is really just using technology and data to gain better insights into ourselves and in turn creating some actionable steps out of that information to, in my case, I use it to try to figure out ways to optimize all aspects of my life. Mm. As simple as that. Okay. So beyond health and well-being. Correct. Yeah. So if you think of these terms that are out there like biohacking now, which is very obviously focused on biology, the body, mm. there's a bit of a overlap between self-quantification and biohacking, but they're not ex- like exactly the same. There are definitely people who are tracking aspects of their lives that are not necessarily about their body and, and that sort of aspect of it. Whereas there's a lot of biohackers who are trying a hundred different things to optimize. And maybe they're like, I feel great. I don't know what's actually moving that needle from, mm-hmm. from okay to optimal, but, you know, and so I look at it from the standpoint of, well, what, what if you can sort of figure out what those triggers are? Because if this is all about efficiency and you're doing a hundred things, you might be wasting time, money. Yeah. Agreed. Where maybe there's only two or three things that get you 95% of the way there. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the most interesting thing you found out about yourself since you started this whole process? From the standpoint of self-quantification as it relates to biohacking, it's really just been the journey of digging deeper into my physiology and understanding things that affect kind of everything from my sleep and stress, you know, to general day-to-day well-being and what those triggers are. A lot of it's lifestyle driven, to be honest, you know, we're sleeping poorly, we're traveling a lot. And, and then that gives me information where I can sort of come up with interventions and things I can try out to see if that helps shift that back to a more optimal state. Mm. So I started off like probably some of the earliest experiments I did were just doing basic glucose monitoring experiments, look, understanding my blood sugar patterns. It turned out, uh, this is probably back in 2012. I mean, I've been tracking things since I was a teenager, but we didn't have the tools we have today. Back then it was like, 
know, we had a stopwatch and a tape measure. <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, we were, we were tracking our workouts and, but with glucose monitoring, I was just concerned, not well, somewhat concerned because my 23 meter results showed I had an elevated risk for type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. I wasn't anywhere near like in that range, but I realized that's largely a lifestyle driven issue mm-hmm. in our, in our society. And so I was like, well, let me understand the trends and, and make sure that I'm going to, you know, I don't want something to sneak up on me in 20 years and be like, Hey, you have you know type two diabetes. So I looked at everything from exercise, travel, nutrition, just to really understand what, cause it's a simple, it's one number <laughs> that you're just mm-hmm. monitoring, you know, throughout, throughout your day. And, you know, and then a few years later, as we got into people were getting more into fasting and, all, and whether it's intermittent fasting or longer fast and just understanding things like ketones, if we're going more for that aspect of our metabolism. And so, yeah, it's really just, you build on it. So this is something I've kind of just been doing over you know, several years. So it might seem like, I, oh, he tracks all these things, but really it's, I've laid a foundation where largely there's a lot of this sort of passive tracking going on behind the scenes, whether it's mm-hmm. through wearables and other, other things. So I can then focus where if I'm going to say for two weeks, I'm going to structure an experiment around one area of my life. I, I can, you know, do that and sort of have that passively collected data help inform that the results. Mm. What did you discover when you were in the continual blood glucose monitor? Because I've just finished wearing one for 10 days and got some interesting results, which I've, I've already recorded onto separate podcasts. What did you find from that? The first thing I, that really jumped out at me was, so even if we were tracking glucose every day using a finger stick traditional monitor, we can't do that while we're sleeping. And mm-hmm. I was surprised to see that I would have a tendency to go hypoglycemic overnight. Mm-hmm. My glucose would dip. So then if you look at your sleep data and you're like, why am I waking up throughout the night? And you realize, oh, my blood sugar was going too low. The body was waking up because it's a cortisol boost, kind of bring your blood sugar back up a little bit. So that helped inform my diet in a way where I knew maybe for me in the evening, my last meal, I have to add in like a little bit of uh, maybe some slow digesting complex carbohydrates. And that kind of made me in my levels throughout the evening. So that was a pretty insightful thing that I would have never have observed if it weren't for that continuous nature of, of, you know, monitoring glucose versus just a finger stick in the morning or after a meal. Mm. And did your sleep improve? Because you weren't you weren't getting woken up. Exactly. Because so you're basically knocking yourself out of sleep. I mean, we have little disturbances throughout the night. That's very common. Um, you know, little blips are, are actually pretty standard in anyone's overnight sleep. But to see like it go from like these little bouts of like I woke up, I woke up. Even if you don't remember it, it was happening, and you're maybe you were kicking yourself back out of actually a deep sleep stage where it's a little hard, you know, that's a little earlier in the evening versus REM, which happens closer to, to when you wake up, you know, another area that, and I'm still working on this as a, as we speak is in terms of personalized nutrition. So there's been some books out there and studies that have shown our personalized glycemic response to different foods. So you may eat a small bowl of white rice and have one glucose, you know, you might spike your glucose a certain amount and your body will bring it back down after a period of time. And for another person, it may actually not impact it that much. Whereas you may eat a different food and have the opposite effect. And that was, there were some studies that came out around that. So I started experimenting with isolating different carbohydrates and seeing what happens from, you know, from my, my personal experience with those. So I know like, you know, there might be a case where you want to maybe spike that temporarily, like perhaps after a workout, but in general, you want to keep your glucose in a tight range and not see those big fluctuations. And so then from there, you know, but we don't often eat food in isolation, reading combinations of foods, a meal is going to be many different things. So if you realize, well, that white rice might spike my glucose, but if I combine it with a little bit of coconut oil or have some, some other type of, uh, macronutrients with it, it actually buffers that or, you know, the response. So, so that's been very insightful for me. So like if I'm making a decision or a food choice or many or designing a meal, you know, I cook most of my own meals. I, I you know, go out 
you know, every now and then, but just to know what are my trigger foods, you know, cause that sort mm. of thing. Yeah. So talking about personalized diet, have you done any DNA testing? Have you done any other tests to really get a, a great idea of what your personalized diet should look like? So there's, there are some services out there. So, you, you know, some will take your, you know, let's say 23andMe data and you can upload it and they look for certain SNPs within the result in your data to, to identify markers. So I, I use, I believe it's a company in Canada that did it and they, they basically give you a report and kind of show you they're looking for certain markers. So it'd be everything from the performance fitness side about being slow twitch or fast twitch muscle fibers, mm-hmm. but from a diet side, you know, just given your genealogy and where your ancestors came from, like for me, you know, it showed maybe like eating a very high saturated, you know, I was eating because my diet is very low, low carb, higher fat. And, you know, I'd work in a lot of kind of saturated fats, like coconut oil, avocado, things like that. It was actually saying I was more prone to maintain fat if I ate a very high saturated fat diet. Again, what you see in the data doesn't necessarily always mean things that are being expressed in your genes. There's also a lot of genetic factors. Fat, for me, it could be largely tied to environment, stress, mm-hmm. things like that. So the template that they outlined for me was fairly close to what I, what I eat. It was close to like a Mediterranean type diet, which I follow, I would call it like a you know, paleo-ish sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm ketogenic because I do work. I eat low carb, but I'm pretty flexible metabolically. Like if I go to fast, my body can shift fuel right over to fats pretty quick. And, and there are days where my body just needs a, like a little refuel of some, of some carbs of, for some types of training, not, not all training. So I found that, you know, with the genetic type, uh, you know, you can understand kind of where you're coming from, but I still think you need to be measuring real, like some things mm-hmm. that are actually happening in your life. And that's where like the glucose monitoring and ketone monitoring and things like that are important because mm-hmm. just because you're, genes say one thing doesn't necessarily mean that things are always expressed. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Lifestyle has a huge impact on our genetic expression, doesn't it? And it's quite useful to know as a blueprint, then you have to apply the lifestyle influences. What other real-time testing do you do? So you mentioned the continual blood glucose monitor. Do you do anything for the gut to track that? So I've used different services that are out there. You know, a few years back, uh, a company that's in the news a lot right now, uh, Ubiome kind of started that mm that aspect of just analyzing it, but it, you know, it gave you insights and some raw data, but then since then we're seeing other companies like the Viome is one that's doing a metabolic assessment. And now, you know, so what they're doing is it started out as a two-part test. You do actually a glucose challenge test. So you would actually give you a glucose monitor and some solution. Basically have to drink this (laughs) pure glucose drink and see what your baseline is. And then they would do an analysis of, of your microbiome and provide recommendations in terms of foods, which foods you should avoid, you know, and, and sort of the makeup of, of your microbiome. Hmm. That's now been evolved where they, now they only just do the, they have enough data where they can actually predict, I guess, somewhat your the glycemic response, to different foods. So they no longer do the glucose part of it. You just do the, the gut test, hmm. you know, and it's been, it's been interesting, but again, it's a fairly new the company, as they get new information, the results are going to update. And so the ch- other challenge is with those types of tests, there's often a delay. Mm. Let's, say I, let's say I submit a sample today. It's going to tell me what, like, let's say I just traveled for a week and I went to Asia and I'm in New York City and, you know, things are going to shift around, like you're eating different foods, you're, different, you're exposed to different bacteria. So when I get those results back, they're not going to really reflect my baseline. So you have to be careful about when you submit those samples that you, you need a so- somewhat stable time of your life where you're not yeah. changing things up because it's going to affect the results. And, and also because they're delayed, it was showing you what happened back then. Mm. There's another company now that just launched called Day2, which is taking the same concept, 
but they built like AI and machine learning around like over thousands of different foods. So they just do again, another gut test and they give you like a, a set of insights. If you're saying, you know, making food choices. So kind of what I'm doing on my own with my own personalized nutrition, like they've put in some like high big, you know, data scientists and AI and machine learning. So they have a big, huge data set. Whereas I'm doing my single subject version of it. Mm. Okay, cool. You touched on something earlier, which is fasting. I know that you've done a water fast. You've done quite a bit on fasting, actually, which is on your website, quantifiedbob.com. Talk to me a bit about fasting. Did you get on with it? Do you endorse it? I mean, I guess it depends on the individual, but on it. I started off basically maybe, you know, seven or eight years ago doing some intermittent fasting. So maybe I would give myself a period of about 12 hours, you know, from bedtime, maybe in the morning, you're hearing a lot about a lot of people who would, you know, drink some coffee with some butter and mm. coconut or MCT oil in it. And you, you kind of fuel yourself on ketones until you get, get more towards lunch. And I was doing that and it felt great because that was my first really shifting my fuel source from more carbohydrate driven diets to more fat driven diet. And I started exploring other types of fasts. And probably the, the first real one I did was there was, a, there was a thing called the fasting mimicking diet, which is a five-day mm-hmm. program where you are eating a, the research that came out, I believe it was, was it USC or maybe UCLA, but Walter Longo was a, was a researcher, primary researcher. Yeah. And he showed like by giving the body a certain com- composition of nutrients and actually a, a little bit of calories, you can mimic the effects of, of, a, of a longer fast without just purely fasting. And I sort of did my own DIY version of it. I saw some really great results. It was, you know, it was fine. It was a five day sort of program. And then I said, well, you know what, let me just sort of jump in. But the results you saw, were they around energy? Were they around sleeping better, losing weight? Or what were the, the results? Yeah. So my goal wasn't necessarily, I mean, I wasn't looking, you're going to lose weight just from water weight yeah. and things like that. So you're not really dropping that much. The goals for me were, I wanted to see the, because the research showed that upon the refeed, so after you do the fast, when you finally refeed and your body's like, I'm not going to starve, <laughs> you, all these growth factors kind of kick in. And so I was really interested in seeing how things like testosterone would before and after change. And so I measured, I did blood work pre-post and my testosterone numbers just shot up because my body was like, okay, we're going to launch, you know, all these, release all these growth factors. And, and it was, so it's a nice reset in a way for the body. I looked at other things like, you know, obviously glucose and ketones. I was getting basically like a pretty nice spike in ketones, especially after about three days, things really started taking off. And what you'll notice is if you've ever done any extended fasting is when you're really running on those ketones, like I would have vivid dreams. I was like your brain, your mind just has this, it's very lit up. It's hard to explain. I mean, people do this acutely taking exogenous ketones, but to do it naturally like that. Mm. So then I said, okay, well, that's a five day fast, but you know, what about just, I can tough it out. Let's do like a three day fast, a water fast to drink nothing but water for three days, like, you know, spring water, mineral water, et cetera. Cause that way, if I can get the same, you know, benefits, I'm okay to like not eat anything for three days. So I did that, started doing three day and it was fine. And to be honest, for me personally, I got almost the same benefit in terms of the increase, the glucose increase, the re- sort of the reset of the body. I would say the only thing I didn't get to is if I probably fasted for another day or so, my ketones would have gone up even higher. Mm. Uh, I've probably started experiencing those because I was just starting to do it at three days. So for me personally, like I think of intermittent fasting is something I work in probably like five days a week. I like to do a quarterly three-day water fast Mm -hmm. and the sort of a five-day, a longer fast, you know, maybe twice or once, twice a year. I think that works out for me pretty well. And I get these nice little resets that happen, you know, and and the only advice I would give the people is if you're going to fast, I did it the first time, like the three-day fast, I kind of did it over 
weekend. And I would say do it during the work week. Oh, really? Do it when you're busy doing other things. So you're not thinking about food. You're not thinking about like the hunger and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you distract yourself and you always start the fast in the evening before bed so that you give yourself the first, you know, you're like, Hey, I already got 12 hours of it done. Sleeping. Yeah. Or like 12, well, not 12, let's call it eight. It, these are just ways to kind of get, you know, make it a little easier. And if three days is too hard, start with one, mm. you know, start with 20, do a 24 hour one, pick a day and just do it. But I do think for me, it's a, it's a nice kind of metabolic reset. I always feel great at the end of the fast. And then obviously when you refeed, you're not supposed to eat a giant meal at the end. Your body's not quite ready for that yet. You have to ease your way back in. So I'll, yep. I'll drink some green tea, maybe a few cashews, you know, and you work your way, maybe 12 hours after you break the fast, you can finally have your first proper meal. Yeah, that's good advice. What Very briefly, what are some of the benefits of fasting? Because it's a topic that's talked about a lot at the moment. It's become quite popular. We haven't talked about it very much on the show, though. I would say on the high level, it's essentially, it's a metabolic reset. I, I view it as that, at least for me. It gives my body time to, you know, especially things like your liver and things that are constantly processing. It just gives gives these organs a chance to just kind of re- clear out just some regeneration that happens. For me, it's, you know, things like if you have any food sensitivities or bloating, it'll seem that you're giving everything like your digestive system a chance to just you know, give it a break for a few days. Mm. And it's a nice, it's a reset. And so you're getting some regeneration, you're getting that metabolic reset. I do feel for some people, they're, they'll start experiencing just having that fuel. If they're not used to their body shifting to ketones as a, as a fuel source, you just feel like really like your mind is very like lit up here. You'll just be like, wow, I'm not, like, I can, I just feel more on. I used to be against doing any training while fasting. But then the research now, there's a lot of research out there. I think Dr. Jason Fung has written, he's on fasting where he showed that, you know, I'm not going to say go out and run a marathon, like while I'm on a five day fast, but you can do some training that I was worried about muscle loss during that. You're honestly, it's almost like the way you should treat it is if you're, if you do a lot of training and you have what's called a deload week where you, you give yourself a chance to, you go down and wait a little bit, you might lose a little bit of muscle, but it's going to let you prepare to, for the next bout of growth. I treat it like that. So my workout will, I'll still exercise and play sports and all that, but I won't just like sit on the couch and, you know, not do any work, anything. So I'm worried about, you know, that issue. And it's, you know, especially on a three day fast, you're really not going to lose much muscle. You know, if any on a three day fast, it's, it's such a short amount of time. The weight loss you experience is really just everything from undigested food in your body to water weights and water weight. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Yeah, with a lot of plus points. Cool. The last eight to 10 minutes or so, what are some of the things that can have the biggest impact? I appreciate that you're going to have to talk in generalization now, but that a, a sort of time poor but health conscious individual could get their heads around. So if you're really strapped for time, and obviously we can talk about everything from optimizing your, your sleeping area, because I feel like, you know, and it, that's where we spend a third of our lives. So mm. understanding, I mean, most people that I speak with are going to say, I'm stressed out. I sleep terribly and I need to lose a few pounds. And I think it all, you know, really sleep is the fundamental. I think everyone you speak to is probably going to have some element of sleep is a problem. Yeah. Agreed. So, you know, in terms of optimizing your sleep space, I mean, there's, you know, a lot of information out there about ways to do that. Obviously things like create an environment that's dark, relatively cool, Make sure the the air that you're breathing in the room is is of good quality. Make sure it's ventilated because if actually you can have a CO2 buildup if you close all the doors and windows and there's no ventilation. Mm. I experiment with different whole bunch of different things. So I've done everything from taping my mouth while I sleep to forced nasal breathing, which actually gives me a nice improvement in my sleep because you're actually not going to wake up with a dry mouth and we're supposed to breathe through our noses. 
And mm-hmm. even if someone has a, you know, and actually I, I used to wake up with like a mildly clogged nose every morning. And once I started doing that, I'd wake up and just, I can breathe. It was, you know, cause just because you're breathing through your nose all night, there's no chance, like there's mm-hmm. no buildup of anything in there. So I think on the sleep side, you know, there's, there's all these tactics and techniques out there. I think for me, you know, in terms of measurements, you know, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I look at is my heart rate variability. And that's my measure of readiness for the day. How do you track HRV? So there are several ways. If you use a device like like an Aura Ring. Yeah, just what I've got. Or I believe a BioStrap. BioStrap's another one. They'll show you your overnight HRV, but it's an average of the whole overnight. But really what other research has shown is you want to take a snapshot this, the moment you wake up. So as soon as you wake up, you want to do it a two to three minute reading. I use a, an app called HRV for training because that doesn't correlate necessarily with what happened overnight, but it, you want to see what happened when you wake up and it says, you know, your, your HRV is, is above your baseline. It's like saying, great, you're actually looking pretty good today. You can train pretty well. The overnight thing is kind of showing, yeah, you maybe had a rough start to the evening, but then that's that negative sort of value, those values are going to average out with the good stuff. So you're not getting as much of a, but it does show you maybe like understanding what's your sleeping environments like, or things like if you're having disturbances, but the mm. first thing in the morning, that reading gives me my baseline. So you need about a week's worth of data before you can really get insights. Then you see yep. if your values go up or below. And so there's, there's very obvious things. If you were out, had a few drink, too many drinks, you're going to see like those values tank. If you are well rested and recovered, you'll see them trending up over time. And then that means, you know, go hard. You can work out hard that day versus doing some restorative yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the O-ring actually. I've, I've talked about that before and they, they do track HIV over the evening, don't they? They give you an average, it's an average over the night, but I look at the morning number. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the sleep, what else, you know, is, is impactful in relatively short space of time? Again, it all goes back to, for me, optimizing our environment. If you don't know things like the air quality of your home, yeah, just there's some inexpensive devices out there that you can just set up and they will monitor what's going on. And some of them can be set up to like trigger an air purifier. Because I just feel like we focus all our efforts on all these other aspects of our lives. But if, yeah. you know, the one thing we can control is somewhat our indoor or home environments. But then if you take that a step further, our bedroom. So if you can optimize one third of your life, in terms of the environment, I feel like those benefits will carry. That's like the low hanging fruit. You can worry about if you've got other health challenges, other day to day sort of issues going on. You can address those as well. But I think starting with some foundational stuff for me, at least is, is looking at your environment. And we talked a bit about things like, you know, glucose and all that, but, and yeah, that's important, but I don't think Mm. people have to obsess about it every day. Like if I do a a, wear a sensor, Mm. I'm probably wearing it, you know, they last 14 days. Yeah. You know, I put it away maybe in, four or five months, I'll try another experiment. You know, you don't need to be wearing them all the time because once you understand your trends, you can kind of set it aside unless you really have an acute need for it. You know, we talked a bit before the podcast started about things like training and recovery. And I do think, you know, in our busy lives, we, we do need to make time for a lot more people are into the training side of things. Yeah, agreed. And they don't give themselves enough time in the recovery side. And yeah, so for me, you know, the recovery side isn't all about quantifiable stuff other than making note of when you're doing things and, and the durations. But, you know, I'll do everything from, so in the in States, we, we're, we've got, you know, infrared saunas are pretty popular over here. And so for me, it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. recovery in a sauna for, you know, 45 minutes or so um, to an hour. And because I can multitask in there, I can listen to podcasts, I can re- do breath work, I can do other things. You know, I use light therapy pretty extensively, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's 
for photobiomodulation in terms of like getting that light, those frequencies into my, my bloodstream, into my cells, which charge up my mitochondria, use it as a recovery post-workout. There's other applications for that. There's some more out there tools that, you know, you'll probably find, if you look around, you'll find facilities pretty much all over the world now that offer some combination of training and recovery tools. Because mm. a lot of these things may cost a bit, might, might make sense to have in your home all the time just because either they're too big or they're too expensive and you're only using it for 30 minutes. So, you know, sitting there for 23 and a half hours a day, I would say, you know, you know, from a training side, I would have people look up, um, there's a body by science is a book that came out a few mm-hmm. years back. I've got it right here, actually. Oh, you do. Yeah. So I Doug McGough. Yeah. Right here. So I think for most people, if you, yep, that's, wow, that's yeah. like you almost read my mind. <laughs> so I think for a lot of people, and I don't know if you've discussed that before on the show, but if you look at the techniques that are all in there, there's technology now is out there that's mimicking some of the ideas of it, the concepts of it. Yeah. There's a machine called an ARX machine here in the States that it's basically computer motorized resistance that allows you to do those types of workouts very safely and quantify everything. You see your, your force curves, you see your, over time, you can compare your workouts from months ago to today to see your, your improvement. And so cool to see how, you know, we're taking these fundamental, these books that we've been reading for several years and that technology is really putting it into action. Yeah. It's clever. There's so much more we could cover, but I would point people towards your website, quantifiedbob.com, because you've got a whole ton of stuff there. The blog is excellent. There's tons of really great articles. So if anyone's had their appetite whetted, head off to to Bob's website. Uh, Do you want to touch very briefly on what you're working on at the moment? Sure. So I've spent a lot of time over the past few years building my own data warehouse because there's all these devices and tools and ways to get data, but they're they're not necessarily connected. And I and I was worried about, you know, some companies cutting off access to that data or going out of business. So I, I said, well, I, mm-hmm. I want to own my own data. So I built basically my own data warehouse. And from that, over the past year or so, I've been starting to build some tools that just to make like health and wellness very accessible to people and make it like, like I might take things to the extreme, but like I have a, a meal tracking app called Awesome Meal Tracking. Mm-hmm. That basically is just a photo-based meal tracking. I'm, it's not about calorie counts. For me, I'm less concerned with that. I feel like photos give you a lot more information. Yeah. Seeing your meals on a timeline where you can see like, am I in, in or out of my eating window? I feel like there's so much information you get from there. And, it's, and and I also wanted to build tools that are very accessible so that you don't have to be very tech driven to use it. It's like push yeah. and, click. and I recently launched a, another app. Again, Awesome Awesome Labs is the, is the company these apps fall under, but um, it's called Awesome Breathing. And, and this is basically, I wanted just a utility breathing tool. There's tons of great meditation apps out there, but sometimes I want to just do breath work and I want to be able mm. to say, you know, breathe in for this long, hold for this long, exhale, hold, I'll set those parameters and just let it run for, you know, whatever, 10 minutes. So I built a simple little app for that. And so the idea is to, these are tools that not everyone's going to use these all the time. You might track your meals for two weeks out of the year and then you get good insights out of that. So put it away. And then, you know, you're mm. going to use, then you're going to focus your efforts on other tools. So the idea is we're building these accessible tools for people that they've got all these tools in their toolkit when they need them. And then they can yeah. put them away and take them back out when, when it's important to them. Love it. Brilliant. Well, good luck with that. So Awesome Labs is the company. Okay, cool. Well, I just want to say thanks. I feel like we've barely sort of touched the surface of what you know, but yeah. maybe we can have you on again and do a part two. But thank you very much for your time. Good. Thanks, Leanne. So you are at Quantified Bob on Instagram and Twitter, your website, quantifiedbob.com. Quantified Bob on Facebook as well. Very easy to find, nice, consistent social media handles. So I'd encourage people there to jump on the website and take a, you know, really a closer look at some of this stuff. 
Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotsperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.